Hey everyone, welcome back to The Hide. This week I have Julie Balker from Julie Balker Leather Design. And yes, yeah, so let's go ahead and get this podcast started. Julie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Good morning, Dom. Thanks for having me on. Um, I My name is Julie Balker. I'm 58 years old. I've been doing leather work since I was 17. My dad um, set up a little leather leather workroom in my tack room and that's what got me started so where are you from julie i uh currently live in ellensburg washington i've lived here for 30 years i raised my kids here and had a custom saddle shop since 1992 um and now i have opened up a school yeah that's awesome i've been seeing the progress on the new shop and everything it's awesome super happy for you can't wait for it to get done so I can come up there myself and kind of teach me how to build some shafts and all. So, uh, but yeah, no. Uh, so for those who don't know, me and Julie do know each other. We, it was on the, with Carson, I believe, right? I mean, you started jumping in on Carson's lives with us and I didn't know you at first. I started seeing the lives. And then actually when we were down in Waco, it was the first time I actually finally got to meet you, which was really, really cool. Awesome show and all that. But yeah, so I don't, that's crazy. I mean, that I met for you who are listening. You're going to probably meet a lot of people on here that I met in Waco. That was my first show. You know, I live out in Pennsylvania, so I don't get to meet a bunch of people. But yeah, so that's kind of where we first met up for the first time. Yeah, I loved jumping on to your lives that you guys had. Um, I love to be involved with new makers I love to support the leather community any way I possibly can and share the knowledge I've gained um, over the years. So it was great to meet you in person at Waco. And I think I met Chris there too. And I love to stay in touch and help out anywhere I can. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, that's, like I said, not too, too many people do it, but it's awesome to see the people like you out there that are willing to help, especially, like I said, with your classes you have put on. For those who don't know, Julie does put classes on. Are you doing a show at Arizona, down at Prescott? Yeah, I'll be doing two classes down in Prescott, a shotgun shops pattern drafting class and a basic chinks 101 where I'll go through the process of taking measurements, taking an order, applying the measurements, um, and just all that goes into building a pair of chinks from 1 to 10. Yeah, I'm going to take that class because myself – I'm not <laughs> the only good measurements I know how to do is take a waist measurement and a length measurement. I don't get, I didn't get, I've not been too, too much into the actual like leg pattern or just actually laying out a pen, excuse me, a pattern in general. You know, I pretty much use the same pattern. And for me, I haven't had any complaints. I mean, every pair of chaps I've ever made for anyone, they fit very, very well. But yeah, I'm definitely going to have to take one of your classes, Julie. I mean, um, I would, I would love that, Dom. I am, um, I'm a, I'm a believer in that every shot pattern has a specific set of measurements that make mm-hmm. them fit correctly. I don't think there's a general set of measurements that will make something fit um, like you want it to fit. If that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone's body's different. Yes, and every every shot pattern is different. Um, mine are, mine are based around being very basic and easy and something that you can add to as you learn um, and get experience under your belt, building leggings and chaps and chinks and everything else. Absolutely. So, so Julie, so what, 
who inspired you to start Leathercraft? Or did you start off building shafts or what did you start with? And just why, who kind of got you into it? Well, I, like I said, I started doing some leather work in my tack room in my dad's little leather shop. And I just, I love working with my hands. Uh, after I graduated from high school, I attended Washington State University and was in the animal science program there. Uh, about two years in, my advisor pulled me in his office and said, hey, Julie, you have A pluses in all your lab classes, which are hands on. And you kind of have C's and D's in your lecture classes. What are we going to do about this? Uh, what are your hobbies? And I told him I do leather work. I was building shops for guys on the side. And mm -hmm. he said, well, maybe this isn't cut out for you, which uh, an advisor at a university probably shouldn't be telling a student. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So he said, there's a saddle making school in Spokane at a community college. It's a two-year program. Why don't you go check it out? So I went and checked it out. Um, and Jesse Smith was the instructor there. And I've been doing leather work ever since. I so couldn't that, have better education in the leather world. So that was through the school they had that class? Yeah, the community college. So that's, that's crazy. I, I, hate, I hate to say it, but... I literally only paid $260 per trimester plus materials to learn this trade. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that's that's awesome, though. That's really, really cool. I mean, not something you cite that I wish that would be more of a – do they do many schools like that? Like, You know, I mean, I, I'm not sure. Because I know there's actual schools like Montana Leather Company. There's, there are plenty of sound makers out there who put their own schools on, but I wasn't sure if there's any, like – when it comes to a school school, they actually provide that, uh, that course. That would be really, really cool. I'm not sure if it'd be like too popular out by me, maybe down like Midwest or down towards Texas, Oklahoma. I'm sure it'd be quite a few people would go and do that. That's really, yeah. really cool. I think when I was attending school, there was one in Oklahoma too. I don't know that it was a two year program, but if I remember correctly, there was one in Oklahoma that taught saddle making, but not, not a not a course like Jesse taught. We built seven saddles, had to do one rebuild, learned how to build shops, knife sheaths, tack, you name it. He so was whole, uh, very very comprehensive. So the whole night that that's that is super awesome. I mean that's that's a heck of an opportunity too. You know that's like for out here, like for me at least, there is it is. Do find yourself. You mean I can't? There's no anywhere you can go around here. You know that's that. Uh, I can't believe that. That's crazy. That's literally that blows my mind. That you're able to do that. That's super but super cool. The way you've learned, Dom, teaching yourself is so. Um, it it it's a great way to learn. A lot a lot of younger makers nowadays like to ask and get answers, and oh. sometimes <laughs> sometimes they ask too much because. Making mistakes gets you further ahead than just asking. Well, I forget who it was. I think it was actually in a podcast with Don. I forget who he's with. And that's kind of, he. the dude was doing, I think it was apprenticeship. And I think, I don't forget if he's working on a pair of boots, what it is. And that's what he said. He's like, all right, take this. Every time you have a question, don't ask me. until Unless you absolutely need to know how to do something, don't ask me. You'll slowly figure it out yourself. But like you said, people just kind of just want to have 
ask it and get that answer without having to ask. You know, everything I've done has all been uh, trial and error. You know, I've never right. had anyone. To, I have never had anyone look over my shoulder and say, "Hey, you're doing that wrong. Do it this way." Which I think is a great way to learn because a lot of us learn from our mistakes. And whenever you make the mistake, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to make that mistake again. You know. You're correct. And one of my very, very favorite things to teach is how to fix something that that is a mistake. I love to troubleshoot mistakes. Mm-hmm. Find a way. It's something I used to tell my kids when um, when they made a mistake, you know, find a way. There's a way it's out there. You just need to search for it. And then you're going to generally it comes out better than than what you started with anyway. Uh, and that's a little that's what kind of brings me to a little saying I've always heard, you know, a great leather worker isn't someone who doesn't make mistakes. It's one who knows how to fix them. Correct. I believe that wholeheartedly, definitely. But I love to teach what I know and what I've learned through the mistakes I've made. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, I love like, to teach. You also have, you've been doing some of them, them chat classes with Joe Melling. Is that correct? Yes. I love to work with Joe. He, um, every, everything with Joe, which is the same with me, is very God-based and very, very God-driven. So, you know, that's what it's really about. It, it mm-hmm. And you know, you know, my favorite hashtag is use your gifts. I still wear I the wristband every day. <laughs> yep. I think that um, we're given gifts to use and share and teach. And um, Joe is one of the best uh, basic tooling instructors out there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's an honest, kind man, and I love to teach with him. And we teach uh, three-day chinks classes together where he takes you through the floral tooling for your yokes and side pieces. And then mm-hmm. I take over from there, and we do the measurements, cut the legs out, and you have a pair of chinks when you're finished in three days. Yeah, that, that is – I saw like, you had posted about it, you and Joe, at the same time. I was watching some of the pictures and kind of what you posted throughout the class, and it looks absolutely awesome. I mean, like I said – like I would love, I want to put this out there. Doesn't matter how good you're out at anything. Take classes. There's always stuff that you can learn. I mean, I said I don't know if I'll be able to make it out to Prescott, but I do want to head out to Sheridan, Wyoming, for that show and up in May. And that's why I want to go out there and take some classes. Like I want to take as many classes as I possibly can. You never stop learning. It's just I, a constant. I agree. I agree with that. I love to take classes. I took a Barry and Ryan King stamping class in Waco and loved it. You can learn something from somebody every time you take a class from them. And yeah, that's, you can, you always learn. And that's the awesome part about leather work. There's never a point where you just, you say, okay, that's it. I learned it all. You know, you you never do. There's always something because it's changing too. You know, there's different trends. There's different ways to do stuff. There's, I mean, look at, floral tooling you can tool a thousand different flowers you know yes absolutely so yeah that's awesome i mean like i said i can't wait for you to get your shop up because i i'm definitely gonna find myself a plane ticket and fly up there to washington to come check it out (laughs) well i hope so i hope to bring in instructors from all over um i built uh my new shop and classroom has a bedroom and a bathroom off of it for instructors and students to stay in mm-hmm. that has a exterior door so you can come and go as you please. Uh, it's not part of my living space. And I think it's going to work out perfectly and be affordable for people who want to come travel here instead of uh, paying a hotel bill, you know, 100 150 a night. 
Exactly. And that's that's a big thing, too, because, you know, we're we're from all around. You know, that's if I like wanted to go down and learn off of you, like I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm on the other side of the United States. So like I said, the whole that's really awesome. Having having a place you can stay and come to learn. That's it's really, really awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it. Hopefully in the next two to three weeks, I'll be moving into it. So um, the whole whole last year with uh, supply chain issues and things like that have held it up a bit, but mm -hmm. I can't wait to get in it. Yeah, I bet. So, but yeah, so let's go ahead. I'm going to ask you some more questions and all. And like I said, I kind of figured, you know, we take one question go, and that's why I didn't come up with a hundred questions to ask you because I figured, you know, we'd take a while and jump from one to one, but but yeah, so what point did you say, hey, you know, I mean, I'm sure at first you kind of did it. You made some money off of it. But what point did you say, hey, you know, I want to do this full time as a business? Um, probably my first job out of saddle making school was in Laramie, Wyoming at the boardwalk. And I worked for a man named uh, Rob Vogel. He was a very, very experienced, well-known harness maker in that area. Um, he wasn't a saddle maker, but he, he built a lot of harness. He did absolutely beautiful work. Um, and he hired me, a woman saddle maker, in 1985 to come to his shop. And back then, um, lady saddle makers weren't there. There weren't a whole lot of them to to say the least. So yeah. I had my work cut out for me. And uh, that's when I decided I wanted to do it forever um that's, that's awesome yeah i've loved it I, i've loved every bit of it so we're gonna we will get to that part actually being a woman in this trade because i'm sure that's a whole nother story you know it's not when most people i mean even for me like when i first started doing leather work like i didn't have my face posted anywhere and like i said i met up with a few people who needed saddles fixed and they just there's little me i walk up get their side they're like oh you don't look like a someone who prepares saddles. I'm like, is there a stereotype for this? Or like, what? They're like, well, what's going on? Like, but yeah, the what the first saddle I built at the boardwalk was for a young man who ran who worked on a big ranch in Laramie, and one of his best friends gave him a hard time that he was having a saddle built by a girl, and it's something honestly I've never thought about. I, it's never hindered me. It it, it doesn't cross my mind. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't think that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, there's there's no reason to. I mean, honestly, it's just you're it's just like any other job you do, you know, you it doesn't apply to anyone specifically. It's just what you enjoy and love doing. Uh, exactly. I, I never I never separate the world or people like that with uh, if they're man, woman, small short heavy it it does not matter to me mm -hmm. um i love to work with kind people and honest people that's the bottom line yep i 100 percent agree with you there so talking about throughout your years of doing leather crafts chad saddle and all that has there been any time you kind of like just we all go through some rough times you know sometimes you get burned out or anything but has there been any point where you kind of thought yourself like maybe i don't want to do this Absolutely. And it was actually in 2014. Um, I had gone through a divorce in 2012 and 
my ex-husband is also a saddle maker. Um, in my opinion, one of the best around, one of the best leather crafters around. And um, I opened up my new shop by myself without a retail store. And I got in my shop and I literally just cried. I was like, how am I going to do this by myself? And, and it wasn't that I wasn't capable of doing it. It was the aspect of having someone there to talk to, someone to be around, mm -hmm. customers coming in and out. And I almost gave it up and switched careers. And I was searching around on my computer one day and I saw another person talking about teaching leather craft. And I thought, you, I, I love to coach. I love mm -hmm. to coach volleyball. I coach for years. I love to teach and I love people. Open a school up. And so I took my garage that was unfinished, finished it, put a classroom in, and God just sent me in another direction that I love. I love teaching. I'm probably a better teacher than I am leather crafter, to be honest. See, that's that's awesome. I mean, that's really actually I I don't think I know enough to teach, but that's something I do enjoy and love doing. That's like the whole YouTube, you know, and that's kind of where. I want to eventually down the road, I like to get into that area. But for now, I'm kind of just based on trying to learn how to do everything first, you know, not that I will ever learn how to do everything, but that that's really awesome. I mean, that's one thing that we need. I mean, this, I don't, I won't, I won't consider a dying craft right now because really ever since COVID hit, you know, people are sitting home and not doing, I've seen, well, since mainly for me, the TikToks, I started going live and people started, saw me tooling leather and stuff. And they're like, that's cool. And like, I have seen an insane amount of people getting into the crafts and it's really good to have people like you that are out there to teach them how to do things the right way. You know, that's. Well, I, I think there are some things that are taught the right way, but you know, it, again, it's only an opinion and, it, and mm -hmm. it's the way that's correct for me. There's way, way more ways to skin a cat than one. I, I think there's many more ways and anybody can learn anything. I, I love to teach what I know. So. Yeah. And that's, it's all, especially you, Joe, there's, there's plenty of people out there that actually, you know, you just take the time to teach these people. And, you know, that's, I feel like that's really, really good because, you know, you're, you're teaching the right way. You know, I, it's harder when you learn the wrong way, which in my opinion happened to me because, I thought just because this worked, it was the right way of doing it. And, you know, you have things that for me, you know, it could be like a gusset on something. Yeah, it looks good, but it doesn't work. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like teaching people to do things the right way is super good for the craft because if one person learns something the wrong way and then they try teaching the other people and they learn the wrong way and it just kind of spreads out, you know, you don't want that. So. Yeah, you really want to teach the basics correctly, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and the general public and people don't understand what goes into it, usually. Um, I see a lot of younger people complaining online and social media about getting asked to do projects right before Christmas or can you do this in two or three days. And for me, um, that's an opportunity to educate someone about it instead mm -hmm. of instead of complain about it or, you know, I've seen people humiliate people online and you know, it, it's an opportunity to educate somebody instead of making it negative, make it positive. Mm 
Well, yeah, Let them most- know what goes into it. Let them know the years of experience, the hard work that gets put into it. Because a project that is sharp and clean and nice and, and looks simple is probably a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And that's like, that's what like almost pretty, I would say at least 80, well, I don't know. Nowadays, people are getting more informed on leather work, but a lot of them people, they just don't know. You know, that's exactly some of these people like they literally I've come up or people have come up to me and just thought that it was just one big stamp. And I right. like, just bam, bam, bam. That's it. I mean, they didn't care about the price. They liked my work and how it looked, but that's what they thought. They didn't understand the time, you know, the drawing, carving, twirling, the whole nine yards. And, you know, you can't you can't judge someone based on that. They don't know nothing about that. You know, that's like for me going into just say any any line of work. And assuming something's this or that because I don't know what it is, you know, I would be like, "Yeah, well, don't like, don't be like rude to me. Just kind of explain to me why, why does it take so long? Why does it cost this much or this or that? You know, I mean, everyone, it doesn't matter. Everyone gets the Christmas messages. You know what I'm saying? Like you talked about a couple of days before Christmas that happens to just sit down there. And if you don't want to sit there and explain to each and every single person, just make a little post saying, Hey, or even just like that's why I love the whole TikTok thing, or going lives because I've had so many people come out on my lives and just actually see us carving and tooling, and they start like, oh wow, they're like, I kind of remember there's this one guy, and I was in a, I was in a, it was like an eight hour long live, like I was just sitting there one day and I'm just like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I forget what I was working on, it's a pretty decent sized project, and I was just sitting there carving eight hours straight. And then the dude popped in every couple of hours. He's like, holy smokes, you're still working on it. He's like, I didn't realize how much time you had to put into a piece. And just yeah, by that, it's just... And use that opportunity to educate people, not make them exactly. feel bad about asking. Educate them, you know, let them know. Um, but you are correct in that the leather world is thriving like it never has. So what that does for us makers is keeps product for us to use. Mm-hmm. It keeps us in leather and tools and hardware because there's a demand for it. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's awesome. And like, and I can't tell you like the amount of more customers. I mean, and this is the kind of the hard part that comes with it. Like we are just talking about informing people. Like for me personally, like I said, I was on the big hate dude trend for a while and a good 95% of the people who ordered those off of me knew nothing about leather work, knew nothing about, anything like that they just thought it was one big stamp and so when meanwhile it's awesome you know it brings in a whole new customer base a whole line of customers that come to the leatherwork world but at the same time like you said we have to inform them on what it actually is the time it takes you know that's it's not just like i said the common misconception for me at least sometimes people just think it's one big stamp i think it was it was actually a leather worker too she messaged me i, I explained it to her I, I told a semi onto a pair of hey dudes and she messaged me. She's like, hey, where'd you get that stamp at? <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's not as, I mean, thank you if it looks that clean, but it was actually carved and uh, tooled it out. Right, exactly. And I, and also, I think one of the reasons that people love leather work and love leather is I, I've always found that leather is really the ultimate in recycling. Um, when steers are butchered, uh, every single part of that animal is used. It's mm-hmm. respected. It's, it had a soul. That yeah. piece of leather on your bench had a soul. It fed a family. It, 
clothed somebody. It put shoes on a kid. It fed your pet. Um, it just, it, it's a whole respect thing for me. Uh, Absolutely. And I think people feel that when you do leather work and you make, you know, make it art and make it beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's, you really like, you're using almost everything on it. You know what I'm saying? That's, I feel like that's, I don't, that's, that's the thing that's cool. You know, we're just taking, we're using the most out of that animal, you know? I mean, exactly. not only, like you said, just like everything, you know, even like they could just take the, everything we use. And I don't know. I just think it's really awesome. Super respectful for that animal. We're not just wasting it and all that stuff. Exactly. You're correct. And the same thing, you know, even with my scraps, you know, I just, I have plenty of scraps, you know, I use, I typically only do like shafts, belts. Uh, I rarely do wallets, but I've been doing them. I guess they've been kind of getting popular and then the hay dudes. So like, even with that scrap, I want to throw my scraps away. Like one of two things happens. One, I have, I have quite a few people around me. You're starting to do leather work. So first off, they like to come down and sort through the scrap bin, you know, kind of get the bigger pieces out. And then the rest, I just take to my local tandy to have people tool on and to practice on. You know, I don't, I try to be zero waste here and use as much as I can. I don't, I will never throw scraps out unless there's like just the itty bitty pieces, you know? Yep. But, there's a difference between scraps and what you throw away. You know, scraps mm -hmm. are still valuable. You paid for that entire side of leather. You need to find a way to use them or make use of them. Um, when I teach in my classroom, we use scraps to practice on. Mm -hmm. And I always encourage my students when they practice, practice something that you can keep, something that you can sell, uh, maybe a, a cuff or a pair of earrings mm -hmm. or a hot dish pad for a counter. And I always find that they do better work when there's a goal in mind instead of just throwing it away. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, when you yeah. sit there and you're actually working, like you have something in your mind that you want to make, you know, that's just complete sets of parts and just sitting there just do 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 scribbling stuff if you have it in your mind you're going to throw it away you're not going to make it look as nice as it could exactly you're exactly correct and i, I think people i think students advance faster that way absolutely that's that's one thing i tell people all the time like they're like oh i'm gonna do a practice piece but i'm like hey don't forget when even when you do your practice piece take your time don't rush any part i mean that's if you rush through it now, you're not going to learn anything from that practice piece. You're just going through to make, see, you know what I'm saying? How something looks. I said, yeah, leather work has definitely taught me patience. And oh, I, am, me too. Me I too. was not a patient kid. <laughs> I was the same way. You know, I, I pull out a piece of leather. I'm like, okay, I'm going to whip up this belt in an hour and a half. <laughs> you know, <that's, laughs> and then like, it takes me an hour and a half, two hours just to draw something up, you know, now. And but you know it is really it's I don't know for me leather work's super rewarding and Very. yeah I just I it's just the I it. it's the for me it's the people I meet and the relationship relationships I've built and the friendships and I I love the entire world of leathercraft agriculture ranching I love it absolutely so now I gotta ask for you who is some someone. And it could be any sort of other work that you look up to. Um, look up to in their art craft it, or and or it anything. could be anything. Um, well, Jesse, obviously, my very first instructor, who was giving of every bit of information you wanted or needed. Uh, he treated everybody the same. He knew what he was doing. 
uh, I will always, always, always have a special spot in my heart for him and appreciate him. Uh, Rob Vogel, who gave me my first job, and he actually, uh, when I, three months into working for Rob, he was paralyzed in a motorcycle accident. Um, and I kind of stuck around to help out and make sure he got back in his shop. Mm-hmm. And he still ran that shop from his wheelchair, um, being paralyzed from the chest down for many years after that. And I, I applaud him in the yes. fact that he did that. Um, I really, really look up to him and I will forever, honestly. That's, so those are really my main two uh, were my mentors. That's that's awesome. So that's always like, I feel like most leather crafters, you know, they have someone that they do look up to, you know, that's, and that's, I don't know. I feel like that's really when it comes to anything, really. It doesn't matter if it's a sport or a craft or something you do. And it's good to have people like that, you know? Yep, exactly. You bet. So when it comes, so right now you're pretty much just building shafts, right? Um, I do other things too. Uh, I build, you know, I, I, I don't take as much custom work as I used to, cause I like mm-hmm. to teach more than, um, more, mm-hmm. uh, I want to give back to the leather community, but, but honestly, my, my very, very favorite thing to build is just a heavy duty basket stamped yokes and side pieces pair of chinks for a rancher that's mm-hmm. going to use them every single day and they're going to use them hard and they're going to hold up and be you know high quality when it comes to the leather and the the work the workmanship that's my very favorite thing to build see i feel like that's kind of like when i make something <laughs> i want people to use that thing you know whatever it be a belt, chaps, it could be a wallet. I don't want the worst thing I could have done to my work is someone saying, Hey, this is too pretty to use. You know, that's yeah, I've had that happen. And I'm like, please go get some manure on it in the Brandon yeah. pen. Or I get it, it's pretty and you don't want it to get all dirty and this and that. But that's what it's built for, you know. We do this, we don't build it to look pretty, we build it they to look not just look pretty, but it can take a beating. You know, it's yes. high quality stuff. You can go out there and you can use them for the next 20, 30 years. And they're going to exactly. hold up. Exactly. And shops are, I think, a very personal thing for somebody to wear. But they're definitely not the spotlight leather product like a saddle or, mm-hmm. you know, a custom bit or custom spurs. Um, I've always felt like they were kind of the redheaded stepchild of the cowboy world. But uh-huh. they're also a very personal very useful and needed needed thing and i've always loved building them i love them to fit good look nice and be super high quality so yeah that's kind of i'm kind of sad slowly like i said i want to get to build i like the bigger projects you know that's why i love shafts like that is i absolutely love building them it's just you can do so much on them. it's such a giant canvas you can work with and make it just just so many different options you know i don't mind doing the smaller stuff but i do myself like the bigger canvases and the amount of things you can put on there yep i agree those hey dudes that you were doing are too tiny for me <laughs> oh you're t- i'm kind of i'm surprised that I, I feel like two reasons well first reason it's not dying off like i said this time last year julie i don't know if you saw my shop but i had over 100 pairs of those sitting in my shop to get done yep 
And there's no shame in doing those hey dudes. When you have to make a living, when you do leather work, mm-hmm. never never be arrogant about taking work that pays the bills. Just do your best work. That's what I always tell people. And Just do your best. I've also seen, but like for me now, I've done a pair one like a pair or two in the past two months. And with it's one of the reasons, down. well, I don't think it's slowed down. What I think is all these people who started doing leather work in the past year and a half, that has been all they've been doing because that is what been people been hounding. That is what everybody wants. It is the big, like, you know, just the, the new iPhone or whatever comes out. That's what everyone wants. So as soon as everyone, as soon as your buddy who wants to bear Hey Dudes, Here's our other buddies starting to tool up some leather. They said, hey, you want to make a pair of hey dudes? So that's, I don't think there's any less buyers. I just think that it's just now it's spreading out. You know, I mean, back, uh, when I first, back when I first started making the hey dudes, there wasn't like very many people at all that did it. So that's why we were always, just everyone's coming after us because they saw us making them. They're like, we want that, we want that. But it's good. It's not a bad thing. I didn't slow no, down orders. It's all. just on the hey dude, you know, but it creates all that opportunity for everyone else to get work done as well so i don't exactly and i'm not like i said i'm not complaining like i said i don't mind the hey dudes are pretty cool and all but like i said i do belts and shafts are my two favorites like i said eventually i get the building saddles of course that obviously will be my favorite thing to make but uh but yeah no, right. it's just i just feel like that is where a lot of people who've done leather work in the past year have started doing the hey dudes they haven't been doing belts or all stuff like that it's just the high hey dudes have been in such a high demand. That's just what anyone who's getting into has started because they already have that customer base. You know, it's, right. not, it's not like they have to go search for customers. You post one pair of hey dudes and you're getting a hundred messages tomorrow, you know? Right. Yep. Exactly. You have to pay your bills, you know, mm-hmm. just always do your best work. When I, when I first started out, we did a lot of repair work and a lot of makers don't do repair work anymore. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something that I think, you know, if someone got into, they would, they could do very, very well at. Um, and, and I remember Jesse teaching us in school that don't, he taught us don't ever stop taking repair work mm-hmm. because when times get tough, you're not going to get any custom work. You're going to be repairing everything. Yep. And that's, um, I do quite a few repair works in my shop. I mean, that's not too, too often. 90% of the repairs I do are due to the people around my area not oiling and conditioning their saddles and right. their, and their stirrups uh, rot and rip. So it's pretty there. I do do here and there. I will replace the, the shearling on the skirts and all. And but usually ninety percent of the time, it's usually have to do the stirrups rotting out. <laughs> right, exactly. That's a safety and liability factor. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, but yeah, no, that's it is. I don't. Like I said there's not. I don't get too, too much in, you know, there's, but you don't ever, for me personally, a lot of people don't go with me because of what I charge. But then right. again, you know, like, I guess there's the Amish outfit, not too, too far away from me that charges like $90 to do this, the fleece on a saddle. Well, I oh, can't wow. buy it for that, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's, it's fine. You know, that's, it's third, you know, I can't, I can't lose money. You know what I'm saying? Like I have to feed myself, pay bills. So. Correct. Yep. You, you, and new, a lot of discussion on social media. I've noticed a lot of young makers complain about, uh, 
when they give a price to somebody and the person says, wow, that's a lot. They, if you're a young maker and you're doing work, you need to keep your personal feelings out of your business. You need to charge the price that, that is fair for you and fair for your shop. And if someone says no, you just need to move on. Um, I feel like that is a question that is asked more time than others. What should I charge for my work? Yeah. You know, that's, yep, it's, it is. It's, you need to figure it out on your own. Yeah, you need not, to not ask on social media. It's not something that you ask. You have to kind of really figure out where you're at. Like, obviously, just my personal opinion. If you just picked up leather tools and you, you can't, I just mean, you can't charge $300 for a belt. But you can. That's, that's up to you. But, like, I feel like, you know, just you have to look at the time you have into it. And you got to know your worth, where you're at, you know, obviously. And that's a super hard question that really nobody can answer but yourself. You have to know what you're worth. And you kind of got people just think that there's like a little, uh, <laughs> there's a little notebook we open up and say, well, you should charge this for this, you know? Yeah. There's, there's so many hobbyists that when I get asked the question of how much do I charge? My, my answer is always, do you have a brick and mortar building? Do you pay insurance? Do you pay for advertising? Mm -hmm. Do you pay for marketing? Um, do you do it in your, um, you know, do you do it in a little temporary shop in a bedroom in your house? Uh, there's so much that goes into it. Have you compared your work to someone who is, you know, pretty advanced in the field? You go out and do your homework. Uh, you know, be fair about your pricing and be, have a, have a good outlook of what your work is, what the quality it is you know, what the quality of it is, mm -hmm. how it compares to the best in the business Absolutely. You know, and, and mediocre, you need, go do your homework. Don't just ask someone to figure that out for you or say, Hey, how much should I charge for this? Or, Hey, did I charge enough? Do your homework. It, it will move you further ahead faster than if someone answers that question for you. See, I feel like that's something that the, I'm going to say that more than newer generation has a problem, you know, just speaking for myself out here, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Right. But uh, just the newer generations used to being like, it's just a one-click answer. They're used to like just saying, typing into Google, and then bam, there's the answer. Yeah. Not having yeah, to actually exactly. go out there, do the research, and figure it out for themselves. You know, they just want to, it's kind of like my the biggest question I get asked, how do you draw floral? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. That's, that's it. Just, you have to do the research, you know, figure it out, go buy a book, go do this. You know, it's one of the biggest differences that I have found since I began in this uh, business till now is when I started out, we had a retail store and we did uh, custom work and mm -hmm. wholesalers protected their retailers. They didn't sell to just anybody. Well, that's all changed. Anybody can buy leather and hardware and tools at all the same price now. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of changed the game a little bit. Uh, there's way more hobbyists selling now than there are people who are trying to make a living at it. So, yeah. you know, you compete with them too. So figure it out. Find a way. Find a way and a niche and where you fit in. Do your homework. You know, research. Uh, and you're going to be farther ahead than than just asking a question absolutely i mean that's that's all you gotta do you know just research is one of the biggest things and let me tell you what and like this has kind of do with what we're talking about like i'm just gonna say leather work in general 
Remember how I said back about how the Google one answer question thing? Yep. I could when I first started, I couldn't find anything. But you know what happened? I went and bought some books from Tandy, and I researched and looked through there. You won't imagine the amount of information I found in them. Absolutely. There is so much out there um, that is at your fingertips. Uh, go find it. You bet. Absolutely. So let's lead to the next question. Why are you passionate about what you do? Um, I really tried to, I really try to lead a God led life. Uh, I try to listen to what, you know, he's whispering in my ear and the path I'm supposed to take. Uh, I, I think God gave me a gift of leather work and it wasn't a gift of talent right out of the gate. I've had to work at it. I'm not a, someone who's an artist who can just sit down and draw something naturally. I've had to really work at it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love to leave people feeling good about themselves and proud of their work. I think that is the most important thing uh, for me to teach in my classroom. I, I know that I know that I know that I can teach you how to do basic leather work. Mm -hmm. I'm very confident in that. Uh, and I'm not confident arrogantly. I'm confident in a way that I think this is my purpose and what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah, that's where it kind of, I'm getting tongue twisted here. I'm trying to, <laughs> that's all right. different thing. but yeah, no, that's, I don't know. It's, I just, yeah, I'm kind of like tongue twisted right now. I'm just trying to speak, but I can't. I believe it's what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. I, I think it's, I think I'm in the right place at the right time. Yeah, that's, it's, it's awesome when you find something like that. You know, it's, for me, like I said, I don't. I love it too. You know, that's, I don't, I never planned on it. I just kind of picked it up one day and just kind of fell in love with it. You know, I don't, you asked me what I, when I first, even when I first started, you know, picked up my first little tools, I was like, ah, eh, you know, it'd be cool to do for fun. And then look at me now, like I'm doing it full yep. time. I love it. So that's good. You're very good at it too. I'm very proud of you. So like on a daily, like what keeps you motivated? Like what, what, what keeps you motivated enough to keep going every day, doing what you do? Just in general, like, what do you? Well, I have to support myself <laughs> and I love what I do. So, and I love to teach it. Basically, I love to go to work. I love Monday mornings. I love working late at night. Uh, I, I just love it. You say I, you love Monday mornings. Yeah. A lot of people don't like to go to work Monday morning. I love to. Not a, I don't say I don't hear that too often. <laughs> <laughs> A, a good friend of mine said that the other day. Uh, she works for a big company in Colorado, and she said, I love Monday mornings. And I'm like, that is awesome. So do I. I love okay. to go to work. You know, that's kind of like I've been there, too. I mean, there's been so many times where, like, you know, I usually I try to keep the work and regular day life separated. You know, whenever I'll, I'll work pretty late during the weekdays and kind of Friday afternoon, I'm like, all right, you know. I'm getting out of the shop and doing something just to get away from it. You know, I don't want it to overcome and just be burnt out on it. But there are so many times where, like, Sunday, Sunday's rolling around. And like, man, you know, I can't, I don't really want to do this. I'm going to tool this up. Like, I got this great idea. And, like, yeah, like, I'm happy getting the shop in the morning. I'm ready to try something new out, something cool. Like, you know, there's not, like, 
you're not dragging your feet, getting the shot yeah. up and do you just take I, do, I do have to make sure I take breaks because I tend to be a, a pusher, like mm-hmm. work super hard for two weeks. I love to work straight through. Yeah. Um, I don't take like timed breaks or lunch breaks or anything like that, but I do need to make myself take breaks or I will mm-hmm. get burnt out. Um, yeah, that's, that makes sense. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like, for me, like I said, I will, I mean, usually, I mean, I really ain't got much going on, uh, besides the leather work and all, but that's me like Monday through usually Friday, like time I wake up the time I go to bed, I'm just working away at the shop. So I gotta, I really got to get out of there because that's one big worry. I don't want to burn myself out, like not enjoy it as much as I do. And that's, it's, I feel like it's a really big thing for any leather worker. You know, you don't want to get burnt out on something you enjoy doing. Kind of ruined. Exactly. And you can, you certainly can. Because I think artists' brains are different than someone who clocks in at a nine to five job. There's sometimes when you do not feel artistic. Oh, no, like absolutely. Like I said, there's times where, I do stuff like that where it's like I'm ready to start a project and just like my brain just goes dead. Like I'm just like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I can't, I just like have the writer's block because I just like been working, working, working. And then just like, I just don't have the creativity at that point. And like, I have to take a break. Right. Yep. I, I agree. Sometimes you need to walk away. Sometimes you, when you're at your bench and you feel like you're going to cut your finger or mess a piece of leather up, you have to walk away and take a break. And that actually happened to a friend of mine, uh, Tyler. That's he got burned out. He, especially with the hate dude trend, he's been doing. He's just been working like seven days a week, sixteen hours a day for the past like six months. And I kind of talked to him because he slid up. He was like, he said he's pretty pumped about this podcast. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'd be like, I'd be really cool to have you on sometime. And he's like, yeah, he's like, well, I'm gonna take a little break from leather work. He said, I've just I really did take that time, really burnt myself out. And he's actually, he used to build custom hats, cowboy hats. Uh Oh, wow. So he's actually going to go back and kind of do that for a little bit to kind of just, you know, get off the uh, burnout self and then he probably come back to it. But like, that's it. You know, you you really don't want to be at that point, especially you're doing it full time because the worst thing you can do when you come become full time, you can't just say, okay, I'm done doing leather work for a month and, when I come back next month, I'll feel better. You know, Correct. That's, so that's, I feel like that's a big part of leather work, taking the time and just getting some time away from the shop. That's why I feel like a lot of people would like to have a shop separate from their house. Cause some, you know, some people like me, it's fine. I don't, I, I'm not going to like just stay down here. You know, I can like tell myself, okay, I'm getting out of the shop doing this, but I know a lot of people have that problem where if they're yeah. in the shop, they're not going to their debt, going to bet they're dead tired. So I know I know quite a few people who like getting shots because that's what they do. As soon as they shut that door to that shop, that's it. They have their yeah, outside life. I love having my shop. It my my new place is all in one. Mm-hmm. It's a barndominium style with my shop and classroom right there. I love that. I love to get up and walk ten feet into my shop and go to work. Yeah, that's me I too. It. Like I'll I'll wake up, get a shower, I make my coffee, go downstairs in my pajamas and. I'll message a few customers, start drawing some stuff up. It is pretty nice. <laughs> yep, I but, agree. I love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, it is. It's very convenient, you know. I mean, that's and then not having to drive to work as well. Just I said, just a, just a swift little walk across the house, and there you are. That's really really <laughs> yep. cool. Exactly. So, so during your time as a crafter, 
What do you think is a valuable lesson you've learned over the time you've done it? A valuable lesson. One, one of the most valuable lessons that I have learned is to hit your deadlines and do not go over them. If you tell somebody you're going to have something done, you need to have it done. Yeah, and no matter kinda, what. I kind of this, this last year has been very difficult for me in my living situation. Mm-hmm. And so the the biggest piece of advice I could give is to communicate with your customers and don't shut them out. I've had to apologize to some people. Um, but don't make promises you can't keep. Yeah, that's I kind of touched that in the in the vlog. I mean, you're in a different situation, you know, you have the whole shot. It's not just you're just super busy, you know. You have a lot going on with the whole shop being built and all that situation. But I said for just a regular maker like me, you know, like who has a shot, everything's set up and you don't have a bunch of stuff going on. And I kind of touched in my vlog video a couple of weeks back about your turnaround time. You right. Know, that's, that's a very big thing, you know. So whenever I do my turnaround time, first off, what you do is for me, I don't know how anyone else does it. I figure out like I know what I can get done in a week. Right. So when I take those orders down, I have it. I'm I'm old school. I don't do none of the fancy computer layouts. I have literally a notepad that has the lines in it and stuff. And I know, say if I get four pairs of hey dudes and a belt order this week, I know that's a week worth of work. So so, so right now, so say that's my first order of the entire year. I'm at one week's. Right off the bat, I tack an extra two weeks onto it. So you have your two weeks to play around. You know what I'm saying? So if anything goes wrong, you have to get leather in your shop, something broke, you need something fixed. It is always, it's always better to tell that customer, hey, guess what? I have this piece done two weeks early. Instead of yeah, telling, oh, exactly. that's two weeks. So that's, that's a very, very big thing, forming trust with the customer because I tell the people, tell people all the time, I'd rather have returning customers than new customers because that means yeah. I did my job so well the first time that they come back and want to buy more off of me. Exactly. Just hit your deadlines. Don't, you know, don't make promises you can't keep and don't make excuses. Just hit your deadlines and always be honest. And that's kind of like I've seen a new trend of a lot of people just not wanting to take Christmas orders anymore. Right. And that's like it's kind of it confused me because all like I said about the whole books, all you do for me, I figure out right now, say I want everything done by December 1st. All right. Right now it's October. October, it's halfway through October. So I just say, hey, you know, I'll let you know. It just depends on how many orders I get in because I got to adjust my turnaround time. But just say, hey, you know, if you want your Christmas orders here, you have to order it right now. And then just say, if it, I mean, you can have, there's been times in the past where I posted that and I got booked up for an extra four weeks right away. And I just say, hey, I'm cut off. But I feel like just, I, not saying you're taking Christmas orders at all at all. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's always a way to work it. And I mean, like I said, with the whole turnaround point, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to worry about not getting that Christmas order done because either way your turnaround would be four weeks at that point. And, but you know, sometimes your customers, you know, they'll really pressure you and you have to be careful to, to not give in. You have to be able to say no, if you're not capable of doing it or if it's going to make you, be under so much pressure that it it's difficult you because some some customers can really put the pressure on you and you have to be able to say no i'm sorry i can't do that so that's a super important answer to a 
to a question when a customer wants something done in two or three days or by Christmas. Oh my goodness. I can't, like I said, I've had it happen all the time, you know, especially last year. I've had people legit three days before Christmas. Hey, can I get this done? I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't, I wasn't rude. You know, that's a big thing. Right. Be, be considerate because a lot of times I'll be like, okay, well, I mean, if you're rude, I'll be like, no, I'm not doing this for you. Then you're going to lose them as a customer. But you can say, Hey, you know, you know, my turnaround time right now, I'm just not going to be able to get it done in time. You know, I, I'm still able to take it for you, but it's going to be, say, four to six weeks. And sometimes I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, but yep. I don't ever recommend just like being rude to a customer just because they have a misunderstanding on how your business works. Because some people, like I said, they also think it's just stuff in stock. You know, you have yep. them on hand and then all you got to do, all they got to do is just buy it and ship it out. That's Yeah, and, and their emergency is not your emergency. Yeah. So you need to keep that in mind. Just it's okay to say no if you can't do it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's that's I think it's more for the people who are newer to leather work. They don't want to say no to a customer, you know, because it's a customer. Right. Yeah. But you can't put yourself in that stressful situation when you're a week before Christmas and you got ten orders to do before. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's it's kind of something that you just get better at after time, understanding and learning and how to make it work out. Yep, you are correct. So what is something you wish you knew when you started? What is something I wish I knew when I started? Gosh, um, that's a that's a tough one to answer. Honestly, I'm sure there's a hundred different I wish, things. <laughs> I wish I would have known. I wish I could have seen into the future and knew what a gift I was given learning from Jesse Smith in a two-year program that was so affordable and the knowledge that I gained through that program. I wish I would have known to not sell the first saddle I ever built because I needed the money because I'd uh, like to have it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that's, that's a common occurrence for most saddle makers, though. I mean... A lot oh, of people man. do it. You just take because you take that money, and that's what you sell to buy more materials to build two more. Exactly. Yeah. I I want. I wish I had that saddleback so badly to give to my kids. Yeah, that'd be that's that's one thing. I'm that. I, whenever I build my first saddle, I I I'm not ever selling it. I don't even care if someone offers me twenty thousand for. It. I mean that. Yeah, that's the advice. That's the advice I give to new makers. Um, don't do not sell the first thing you made. I I purchased a ring that a, a little buddy of mine made down in New Mexico. He was learning out of school from Eddie Martis, and he was he had his first ring he ever made for sale. And I said, uh -huh. "I'm buying it. You need to keep it. I'm buying it. Please sell it to me. I don't care what I have to pay." Mm -hmm. So I bought it from him and I gave it to his mom as a gift for Christmas this year. They're, they're really good friends of mine. That's awesome. Because those are important pieces to keep. Yeah. And that's kind of, actually it kind of cuts into the next question I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, what's a piece of advice you give to someone starting the craft? So that's kind of cool. Cut right in that. I said, I still have my first actual project. I said was a dog collar, and you know, I ended up never giving it to the person because it was my first project. I still have it in my shop. But yeah, that is That's good. I um when I was doing a round table down in Pendleton with Joe Mealing and Joe Schusler and Danny Alirez and Marty Mealing. And and a question Joe asked that he thought everyone would have a hard time answering is he said, 
what's the favorite thing you've ever built? And I, I can answer that um, quickly and fast. It, the very first thing I ever built in my dad's little shop was a, my Bible cover out of some deer skins that he had tanned at a, a local tannery. It will always be my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like so keep the first thing you ever build. Well, it's even just like, you know, that's kind of, I never really thought too much about it too, but even then those scrap practice pieces you made. Yeah. Like whenever, like I have, so it wasn't a project. So I still have back. And I said, I ordered my first kit when I was at the NFR in 2018. It was 2017. The year rolled over. Because January 13th will be four years when I started doing leather work. Uh-huh. And so I still have the little box. Because you know the little coasters they make for practice? Yep. I still have the whole box full of them coasters. And like I said, and that's a cool thing because, you know, a big thing for me is, like, I get people who come on my lives or my Instagram and stuff. They're like, man, I wish I could do that or do this. And then I, I walk over to the corner of my shop. I pick up that box and I show them. I'm like, you see this? Yeah, we all start somewhere. Yep. You know, exactly. I mean, and it's just cool to have, like, you know, I have belts. I've made myself a belt, like, at least once a year for the past four years. And it's cool to show people, like, the first belt from the first year, second year, third year, the fourth year, and just seeing the progress. You know, I don't don't ever throw them pieces away because, like I said, later down the road, you're going to look back and there's going to be cool pieces to have around the shop to kind of just see your progress through the years. Heck, yeah, you bet. And as a maker... Some people are going to excel faster than others and others are just going to have to work harder at it. And that, and that's me. I've never been a phenomenal leather tooler. I have to work at it constantly. Mm-hmm. My gift, my gifts lie in other things. And I, I think building a pair of shops, making them fit right, my patterns and teaching. Um, but, as a maker, know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Know where you need to work on things. Yeah, absolutely. And like, kind of like the conversation we brought up before is like, and it just, for some people, there's only certain things they do. I mean, like, look at Joe Melling. You know, he doesn't do hey dudes or any ass stuff. He loves doing belts and like, he makes amazing belts. He's and very so, good at what he does. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't just, not everyone, I don't think it's a good idea to do everything in your shop. Just, when you first start, yes, because you need to learn how to do different stuff. But I feel like later on down the road, everyone kind of finds their certain niche they like doing. Yep, exactly. Do one thing and do it well. Don't do 10 things mediocre. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that's kind of where, you know, I don't really take a lot of off orders anymore. Like I said, I use, you could be like, hey, Dom. I want you to put leather on, I don't know, it could be my hairbrush or something. But heck yeah, I'm going to do that. But now it's kind of like, you know, I don't, I kind of have my set things that I like doing. I'm really good at doing. So just for me, like, yes, you got to do them to get better at them. But at the same time, it's kind of my niche, what I like doing. I can do it very well. So that's why I choose to do that. That's like with my patterns that I sell. I don't just want to sell you the pattern and take your money. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, call me. I'll help you. Yeah. Message me, text me, email me, please. Um, any questions any of my students ask me, help me to be a better teacher. I always encourage that. It I... helps me teach better. It helps me find the words. It helps me with everyone else. So I, I don't just want to sell you the pattern. I want to to educate you also. And that's that's awesome, too, because, you know, that's, 
because there's always going to have them questions, you know, like if I pick up a pattern and I could buy a pattern from wherever it is and then, yeah, it's a pattern, but like, what do I, how do I show this or do I scribe this down or do that? You know what I mean? There's so much when it comes down to it. Like the fact that you take the time, you help the people out, you talk, teach them through it, talk them and just show them how to do the right. That's absolutely awesome. I mean, that's. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what I do and I love to teach this. I, I truly do. So do you have anything future coming up for your business? I mean, I know the shop's coming up, but do you have any future cool plans coming up or anything? Um, just as soon as I get in, I need to get organized. I need to make myself take it slow and not do everything else at once because <laughs> I have some big plans for more patterns, um, more to offer, classes. I love to travel and teach. If, if anybody, you know, wants to have a class somewhere and organize it and it's affordable for me, I'll come do that. Uh, basically just want to get back in my shop and classroom. It, it's been an, it's been a year now and I'm ready to get back to it. Yeah, I bet, you know, that's, oh, that is going definitely send me a bunch of pictures. Cause I can't, I mean, I've been seeing the progress because we're friends on Facebook and like just seeing it for the past couple of months and it get put to, it's awesome. I mean, like I'm definitely going to take a trip up there whenever it's all put together and I have to take one of your classes. <laughs> yeah. I'll teach any level. From very beginner to more advanced, if they wanted to learn something that, you know, I could teach them that has value to it. Yeah, that's definitely, that's awesome. I mean, like, I'm really, I'm hyped up for you. Good, <laughs> so that's, thank you. That's definitely that. So, so yeah, so I got a good question for you. Okay. What do you define success? Um, I think success is... Uh, Number one, being happy and happy in what you do and being a servant. Uh, I think we all need to be servants of each other and God. And I think I, I think when you can spread the word, you, you are successful, no matter what you do and whatever gift you use to, to do that. Um, I think so that I think that's what success is. That's absolutely. I mean, that's. Big thing about it, as I said, being happy. That's if you're not enjoying yep. what you do, that's you're already going down the wrong path. Yeah, but so. I think everybody has their own definition of it. Mine is my own, and I, you know, what someone else's is is their own. You mm -hmm. know, it's your own definition of success, and that's all right. Absolutely, like I said just everyone has opinions. You know, that's I don't. Everyone thinks different. Well, I mean, most people think differently. I mean, some yep. of us think the same, but uh. <laughs> But so, like I said, we kind of touched on this before. I kind of showed you some of the questions. Uh, what is something you wish I would have asked you in this podcast? Um, gosh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. But I uh, wish you would have asked me. That's a hard one to answer. I really don't know. I think you covered it quite well. I yeah, no, we touched a lot of stuff. We touched quite a few bases. I mean, we, we talked through pretty, pretty good. So I said, I wasn't, you know, sometimes there are some people that like, they have something in their mind, like they want to, they want to answer something they're waiting for it, you know? So, but no, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, yeah. I, mean, I guess so far for the first podcast, we've done pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so too. I'm honored. I'm honored to have done it, Dom. I, I think you're going to go far in the leather world. And I, I, I'm honored that you asked me. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, no, I said it's great. Like I said, 
I mean, that's, I just enjoy, for, I said, for those who watch the introduction, you know, that's what I love hearing people's stories, you know, especially yeah. people who've been in the craft for a while, you know, just where they got started, why they got started, you know, all these cool things, hearing their story about how they got to where they're at. And so I said, I also, I got a few companies I'm talking to right now. I want to get them on as well. The actual suppliers, you know, I mean, I think uh -huh. pretty, pretty soon, I, I'm sure I get Tandy on. I talked to Springfield. They're down to get on as well. Good. So I like to also have the companies on there kind of talk about themselves. If I can get a hold of Wicked or Craig or Herman Oak, that'd be super cool as well. Just kind of talk about their products as well and what they do for us. You know, yeah. I mean, it's really it's really good for them nowadays. Claire said the boost of leather workers. Yes. Uh, the past year has been great and awesome for them. So just just kind of getting them on here as well to talk about themselves, their business, and kind of their goals. And it'll be pretty, pretty cool, especially for some people, you know, like maybe there's someone here to get hide house on here. You know, that's where I buy all my chap leather from. You yeah. know, maybe someone looking to buy chap leather and they say, hey, I never heard of them. Go check them out. You know, kind of help everyone out, you know. But just hearing the people's stories really what amazes me. That's one thing I loved about going live. And you'll see me go live with a bunch of different people. And I just, I just love hearing people's stories. I mean, I'm not sure if anyone else does. But <laughs> uh, I, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Hopefully in a great direction. And I'm yeah. sure it will. You're a go-getter. I'm super proud of you. But yeah, so. But all right. So I guess, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to put input or say? Um, Not that I can think of. Um, I I love my life. I love the leather world and I'll help in any way I can. That's awesome. So for the people out there who are probably going to say, hey, she sells patterns. Where does she sell these patterns at? Where can they find your pattern at? Um, I, have a, I have a website, uh, jbldleatherschool.com. That's where you can purchase my patterns. Uh, it's very easy, very simple. And if they kind of just like, kind of want to say, hey, I like the way she sounds, how she, how she sounds, oh, I guess just about her work in general. Where can they find you at? Like Instagram, Facebook, they can go check out your work and see this kind of stuff you make. Both Facebook and Instagram. Um, you have to keep in mind that I'm 58, a little older, so <laughs> technology sometimes is difficult for this old gal. <laughs> but um, you can always call me. I love a phone call. I'm not going to lie. It's easier for me to take a phone call than it is texting. Uh, but, yeah, the website, Instagram, Facebook, any of those. Okay, awesome. I I'm sure, like I said, I'm There'll be a few people come check you out. And like I said, if you are around, as soon as Julie gets her shopping up, I 100% recommend going and taking a class with her. I mean, she makes amazing shafts. I mean, if you watch the uh, the pageant for the uh, Miss Rudy America, you've probably seen quite a few of her uh, shafts up there on stage. So, Well, thank you. I That has been a, such a gift to me. Those young ladies are pretty incredible. So is that whole association. Yeah, no, I said, I didn't, I saw, I said, I actually have a friend of mine who, because she, actually, it's kind of funny because I went to get my, my tires, a line or the wheels or whatever it is, and we were talking about it, and she knew you from the pageant because she was Miss Rodeo Pennsylvania, I think, back in 2018. Oh, wow. And then I was talking to her about you, and she's like, oh, yeah, I know her. 
And I was like, oh, oh, that's awesome. cool. what was love that? it. I love that. Yeah, no, so it's pretty, pretty cool. So, well, okay, Julie, I guess we're going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up. It is great to have you on. I'm glad I was able to get you on here. I mean, that's, I was kind of like, wasn't sure. I was like, oh, I need someone here for the first podcast. I'm not sure who you invite. And like I said, especially this, this quick, you know, I just kind of messaged you. I think I got the podcast set up on a t- on this Tuesday. And then I was just like, oh my goodness, who can I invite? I'm like, ooh, let's see if Judy wants to get on. And then it's awesome. <laughs> well, said thank yes. you. I'm honored. I appreciate it very much, Dom. Love helping you out. Well, thank you, Julie. I guess we're going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up. Okay. I will talk to you later. All right. See you later, Julie. Bye. Bye-bye.